It's been nearly 70 years since construction finished on what we now know as the Enbridge Line 5 pipeline. For decades, the pipeline has been sending oil from Western Canada to Sarnia for refining, and it did so largely outside the attention of most Canadians. But that has changed dramatically ever since Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer gave Enbridge a deadline to shut the pipeline down. Well, that deadline came and went this week, with Enbridge saying that it will not shut down the pipeline without a court order. So why is the battle over this pipeline so important? Well, that's what the Blackburn News Podcast set out to learn in this episode. Here's your host, Craig Needles. There are pipelines all over Canada and the United States. Send millions of dollars worth of product across the continent every day. So why has Line 5 been targeted by Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer? The pipeline goes under the water at the environmentally sensitive Straits of Mackinac, and activists are concerned about the potentially catastrophic environmental event that an oil leak in that spot would cause. Liz Kirkwood is the executive director of For Love of Water, an advocacy group based in Michigan. The amount of water that goes through this area is 10 times the volume of the water that flows over Niagara Falls every day. It's so powerful that there is lake bed erosion and scouring. And as a result, Craig, Enbridge has been desperately bandaging this failing infrastructure. Um, and it has elevated the pipeline off the lake bed itself. And there are over 200 braces that they call them anchor supports that um, uh, fix this infrastructure. And there has never been a comprehensive uh, review of the integrity of this pipeline. Kirkwood estimates that Enbridge makes $2 million a day from the product that flows through that pipeline. So they'll be fighting this hard, clearly. And so... Well, the Canadian government. Here's what Natural Resources Minister Seamus O'Regan told Blackburn News about this. At this time, no court has ordered Line 5 shutdown. And in the absence of a court order, Line 5 will continue to operate. The mediation will continue. It will be ongoing. They've had two meetings, so we'll have uh, another one later this month. And we feel confident in the process. We feel confident that the best resolution can be reached. Clearly a difference of opinion here. So is shutting down the pipeline the right decision? What impact would it have on the economy in Ontario and beyond? Scott Archer is with UA Local 663, a union that represents workers in the Sarnia area. He has concerns. Would impact not only the Sarnia-Lampton area, but all of Ontario and even Canada-wide. Uh, the ripple effects go all the way into Quebec and uh, Alberta, where the oil is sourced from initially, um, as well as... Uh, the U.S., that the impact on Michigan would be huge, which uh, ironically, due to the uh, energy crisis that Governor Whitmer has declared recently, uh, what's happened with uh, the Texas freeze up and whatnot, 60% uh, of the uh, upper peninsula is heated by propane that is refined in Sarnia, Ontario. So for her to uh, cut that off would be an incredibly bad plan. After the fuel is refined in the Sarnia area, it gets transported to consumers in Ontario, Quebec, and in Michigan. A potential shutdown would leave a massive gap in available fuel and raise the price of gasoline and propane, according to economic experts. Uh, this is about to get real. And to make the matter even more salient, look at what's happening with the shutdown of the Colonial Pipeline. As I said last Monday in a tweet, which I think many of my followers have seen, 
Line 5 is to Eastern Canada what the colonial pipeline is to the uh, vitality of the U.S. economy on the eastern seaboard. So everything from Florida all the way back up to Maine and everything in between. Now that that's shut down, we get a pretty damn good taste of what's in store for us if we allow Gretchen Whitmer and her green fanatics to shut that pipeline down. It can't happen. It, it must not be allowed to happen. And if it does happen, uh, well, be prepared to uh, to see you know, untold damage to the Canadian economy. That's Dan McTagg, a former Liberal MP who's now the president of Canadians for Affordable Energy. He says getting the oil and gas from Line 5 to market in other ways just is impossible with the infrastructure we have in place right now. You cannot run an economy like that of Eastern Canada or manufacturing sector. Think even propane. Forget jet fuel, diesel and gasoline. Jet fuel. Uh, propane, which runs our, many of our manufacturers, run the tow motors, the forklifts that we, we operate, whether that's lumber yards or whether that happens to be our Amazon uh, <laughs> distribution and warehouse networks. We need to make sure this line is open. If it doesn't, then the Ontario economy as a whole, we should be hearing more from every mayor in this province rather than trying to find cute ways to shut down natural gas plants. But despite that, there's a significant risk, according to Kirkwood. She says the problems created by an oil spill at that specific spot at the Straits of Mackinac would cost unfathomable sums of money. The meltdown that would happen with the shipping industry uh, if the Straits of Mackinac were closed for two weeks based on an economic analysis from, the, from uh, Michigan State University posit that you could have a $45 billion um, disaster there. There's also the currents from the strait, which, as Kirkwood told us earlier, are more powerful than the water that pours over Niagara Falls. If the pipeline fails in that area, there'd be an environmental catastrophe. Back in 2014, the University of Michigan identified the Straits of Mackinac as the worst possible place for an oil spill. And then in 2016, they conducted over, I believe it was 800 different oil simulations to look at the currents, which are extremely complex in this water column, you know, that's 250 feet deep. And they determined that a million gallon spill, and they based that off the Kalamazoo disaster caused by Enbridge, could potentially reach over 700 miles uh, in Lake Huron and Michigan. The pipeline is past the lifespan it was designed for. And despite the lack of major incidents over the last 65 years, that's why activists are concerned that the leak is going to happen and spill oil into the Great Lakes. Also, it's clear to governments on both sides of the border that using fossil fuels to power our society is not a long-term solution. The question is, how quickly can we change? Our emissions have been, have been cut back so drastically even since I first got in the trade um, 25 years ago, the, the, uh, the emissions are, are a lot tighter than, than they were in years past. And we've made pretty great strides on that. We're just not prepared to chop off a major artery of Ontario's infrastructure. The province's basically been constructed around for the last three quarters of a century. If we were to replace the pipeline with rail, a study from the University of Alberta says that the carbon footprint from that method of transport is 61 to 75 percent larger than pipelines. Despite that, the risks of Line 5 are still just too high, according to Kirkwood, and Enbridge should have adjusted to that sooner. 
there are alternatives that are both feasible and prudent and are fundamentally the right thing to do. You can't have a pipeline that's 68 years old and have it located in the middle of the Great Lakes. It's, it's um, you know, it's frankly, it's irresponsible. And, you know, as a, a, as a responsible corporation, Enbridge should be working with the state of Michigan to actively figure out how to decommission this pipeline. The biggest economic impact from closing the pipeline would be in Sarnia, where thousands of people work at refineries, which would still be in operation, but would be in a state of flux if the pipeline was no longer open. Mayor Mike Bradley says the legislative process here has been complicated with lots of different opinions on both sides of the border. Well, that's where we've tried to put the spotlight. Originally, we were directing our attention to Michigan and the governor, and then we realized that she wasn't listening. She wouldn't even communicate back with us. So then, yes, it is a federal responsibility. There's a piece of legislation that was signed by Justin Trudeau's father, Pierre, back in the 70s. And actually, President Biden was a senator and voted for it, which said this really is, these issues are federal and that we should not be interfering in the flow of energy products between our two countries or should not allow states to do that, which is exactly what the governor has done. So I'm hoping that legislation will be remembered and used so that um, uh, we can get back to just dealing with the issues that we're dealing with, which is the economy and COVID, instead of this very distracting uh, issue, which has um, drained a lot of energy, which should be really be directed at economic recovery and dealing with the COVID crisis. I understand the, um, you know, when there's all this opposition to uh, Keystone, but it had never been built when uh, Biden killed that. There was no big secret. He had made it clear he wasn't going to support it. Um, but the reality is this is an existing line that's been in place all these years, has a lot of added value as it relates to jobs, and as was indicated earlier, impacts on agriculture, impacts on the airline industry, uh, and it's the last thing we need right now. And uh, I do believe the governor of Michigan has the step has really impaired the relationship between Michigan and Ontario. And there's $90 billion in trade between Ontario and Michigan. We're our biggest trading partners. The Blue Water Bridge here in Sarnia is uh, the second busiest border crossing because of the truck traffic to Michigan. So there's longer ramifications to the relationship on a so-called friendly border that have been created by the governor of Michigan. The timing of all this is also a concern for Bradley. The COVID-19 pandemic, of course, is ongoing, and more economic instability would be hard to handle right now. That's true. The government should be focused on trying to get us through the COVID storm and get us to a better place, and that takes cooperation. And then you add into it as a border city that we've got to look at the future and when will uh, non-essential traffic start to reopen to Michigan. At this point, Michigan's giving us no reason to do so uh, based on the actions of the governor. Uh, but it's, it's, it's distressing in that respect. It, uh, when, you, when you're in the middle of a health crisis, the biggest one in our memory, it, it just isn't productive to get into these other issues, which may cost thousands of jobs and put more people in the unemployment lines. I think really at this stage, the torch has been passed to the federal government in Canada and the prime minister and the energy minister to represent our interests. Naturally, lobbying is going on between chambers of commerce, uh, trade unions. They're trying to do everything they can to get this decision changed. But I think it's moved now to the top level, and that means Prime Minister Trudeau, and that means President Biden. And that um, we need them to send a clear signal that the line is not going to close so that we can continue to keep jobs in Ontario, keep to grow those jobs.
The jobs are important, yes, but can we continue to have jobs like that in this sector? Is this viable long term? Kirkwood says no. The numbers that we hear are, um, are a snapshot of, of the current capacity and direction of um, oils and gases. And if you just put a stake in the ground and you decide that this is the date that the pipeline is shutting down, there are very feasible adjustments that can be made within the system. And if we are going to work together to actually solve this problem that must be solved before the disaster comes, then we can achieve it without the kind of economic pain uh, that is um, being forecast. You know, it, this kind of the sky is falling disaster, right? But um, if, if we have um, kind of recalcitrant and um, active efforts to um, keep the status quo, um, then things will become much more difficult. But McTagg believes we just aren't ready yet. You either want a pipeline or you don't. And if you don't want it, what's your alternative? Because windmills, biomass, and uh, solar panels are not going to be able to run the Ontario economy. So I think, again, we need people to get real and stop living this world of magic and make-believe. We will get to that transition. So it comes down to a question of balance, balancing environment and balancing economy, balancing risk and balancing something that we've already had in place for 65 years. How do officials figure this out? What do they do? We'll leave you with the words of Kirkwood, who says they should have been on this a long time ago. We understand that there is disruption in um, shutting down a pipeline. But Enbridge has been on notice for a very, very long time that this could be a real potential reality. And rather than working to help with the transition that we know has to happen because of the climate emergency and because of both the national and international climate change goals that both of our nations have uh, taken and must commit to through very specific actions, as painful they, as they may be. Um, this, is, this is part of that story. We'll have to see how that story progresses, but people in Sarnia and all over the country will be watching very closely. This episode of the Blackburn News Podcast was written and produced by Jessica Stokes and Craig Needles. Remember, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen at blackburnnews.com. The Blackburn News Podcast is a presentation of Blackburn Media. Blackburn.